Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I was so ticked, Tony. Yeah. I did not leave the stadium. I just sat there. I've been in that place empty because I covered the teams there when I was a kid, when I was in school. So it's not an unfamiliar place for me to be when it's empty. It was empty. It was a beautiful day. You know, 77 degrees. You can see the lake from the top of the stadium. I just sat there. People said, you don't want to leave? I'm like, no, get away from me before I punch you. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser. It's why we love Wilbon. It's why we love Wilbon, the <laughs> unexpected thing that motivates him to want to punch someone. And he drops the temperature. Just unbelievable. Uh, let's start with a couple of... course, of, there's a view of the lake. Yeah, it's, the lake is beautiful. Didn't you say that when you went to Northwestern, had you known about it, you would have actually gone to school there? So we're, we're skipping ahead. We're looking to the next generation. Great restaurants, according to Wilbon. We're all in, in, in family visits there. Yeah, that's so really nice. And that new, uh, the new athletic facility. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Let me review a bunch of emails that we've gotten very recently. <clears throat> Let me start with Elliot Olshansky in Comac, New York. I'm sorry to have to contradict Tony Buonamo of Waterbury, Vermont, but Tillamook Beef Jerky is actually a different company than the dairy that produces Tillamook cheese and ice cream. I had no idea. I remember seeing Tillamook jerky at my local Quick Check and thinking it would be very strange for the same company to produce both beef jerky and dairy products. The next time I talked to my fraternity brother, Dan Kempf, whose wife, Abby, works for Tillamook and is also a friend of mine from, name drop, Dartmouth, I asked <laughs> about right. this and he informed me that Tillamook Country Smoker is a completely separate entity from the creamery. By the way, when you went on your original monologue about Tillamook, I immediately brought it to Abby's attention so that you can be confident the fine folks in Oregon are aware that you enjoy their product. Meanwhile, I can be confident that Abby is sending me some coupons, although I'll have to use them at the Stop and Shop or Target since my usual supermarket of choice, ShopRite, doesn't carry Tillamook. Best regards from Suffolk County, where a Whopper meal costs $9.95 at the Burger King on Jericho Turnpike, nearest my house, and the sandwich alone is $6.95. Rub it in, Elliot. Make me feel even worse. All <laughs> Answer the time. to a question about Tillamook I didn't know I had. Hmm? Just the etymology as to why two companies would be able to have the same name. It's very odd. Different lanes, I guess, maybe they never realized. Right. This is about yeah. Lachiserie Night. This is not from Jason Smorrell. This is from Jake Hafner who I think bind with him yes. to do the promotion. Yes. Although I don't think that Jake works for the Syracuse Mets. I don't believe he does. As Jason no. does. As you know, La Cheeserie Night at the Syracuse Mets was a tremendous and unexpected success. Please allow me to thank a few people who made it possible. The first is Jason Smorrell. My buddy Jason was smart enough to agree to my stupid idea for Mr. Tony Day, which became La Cheeserie <laughs> Night, and his entire staff got behind it, even though none of them had any idea what any of it meant. They did a great job nonetheless. Next is Dan Byrne. Dan is a genius. He's also a kind and gracious person. I'm proud to call him a friend. Can't wait to hear what he comes up with next. Claire Natola and Michael Sands. Claire is awesome. Not only does she have a mouth like a longshoreman, but she also brought me into the inner circle of Little Dom and was my bridge to Michael Sands. She reached out to Michael on my behalf, and before I knew it, I had a big box of that coming to me. Filled with Calvert Woodley swag for the Littles at the game. Michael and I talked on the phone the last week. He's a very humble and gracious man who remains in awe and a little confused that a six-foot-long cheese counter in his family's liquor store <laughs> has become a touchstone around the world for people who share a love for an old, old, old orange bald man with a podcast. Even though he's an Indiana alum who hates a Syracuse orange more than Saliza, I now count him as a friend and look forward to taking him up on his offer to be involved next year. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't thank all 70 or so littles who came from near and far to enjoy some Syracuse Mets baseball and celebrate their love for you, Dr. Grandpa. Tony, you have amassed this fantastic collection of intelligent and funny people who will come to Syracuse, New York on a Wednesday night in September to watch minor league baseball just because they love you and want to share that love and appreciation with like-minded strangers. You mean more to us than you'll ever know, which is so weird, but nice. P.S. Last week, an emailer discovered that lachiserie.com was available and that he didn't buy it because he didn't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it either, but I bought it anyway. <laughs> I'm the proud owner of Lachiserie.com, BizNet, Org, and others. I told Michael Sands I own them. I'm keeping them safe, and he is welcome to them whenever he wants them. P.S. Jason and I have Lachiserie Night, the sequel, already in the works. I thought people would want to know that. And I told you yesterday, or the other day, Monday, that our friend Mr. Malay had seen a horse named Flightline, and he said he wanted to know what Andy Byer thought of the horse. I don't even know how old the horse is. I, I know the horse, if the horse is, is three or over, which I assume he did not ever run in the Kentucky Derby or any of the Triple Crown races. Nigel, you called Andy. Yes. What did Andy say? This is a verbatim from Andy Byer. He's as fast as any American racehorse in the last 30 years, maybe the best during that period. He'll try to finish his career undefeated when he runs in the Breeders' Cup Classic November 5th. It will be the most anticipated race here in a long, long time. And this is from Ron Flatter, my dearest Anthony. Monday's email about Flightline caught my ear because I was there to see his 19 and a quarter length runaway this month in that million dollar race at Del Mar. Since my eyesight stinks, I refuse to believe what I was seeing from the winner's circle. It looked like Flightline was opening a bigger and bigger lead while he powered his way through the second turn. The roar of the crowd that began with more than three-eighths of a mile left in the race suggested that I should indeed believe what I was seeing. I had to tamp down the impulse to tell myself he's moving like a tremendous machine, <laughs> as Chick Anderson described Secretariat's runaway in the 1973 Belmont Stakes. Maybe he's just a proficient machine. I, too, would love to hear what Andy Byer has to say, especially since Flightline earned a 126 in his eponymous speed figures, the highest number in 18 years. Oof. Sadly, this horse has raced only five times, and his future breeding rights were just sold. His current owners have not ruled out racing next year at age five. But since the answer to all of our questions is money, the Breeders' Club Classic this fall at Keeneland might be the last we see of Flightline. Catch him while you can. And to the emailer who kindly called me a big last week, with all due respect, I'm a little and proud of it. Flatter knows horse racing. Evidently, yes. And he and Andy agree. And Malay agrees. And they've seen this horse. And they, so we, if the horse is four now, then last year he was eligible for the Triple Crown and didn't do it. Since he's undefeated... We would know if he did it in the Triple Crown. I guess he's a late developing horse. Yeah. I guess, you know, so we'll follow him uh, with tremendous interest, it seems to me. What else do I want to talk about here? Um, the O's and the Nats last night. The game was at Washington, not at Baltimore. Isn't it two and two? Don't they do a two and two? Two in yeah. Baltimore, two in Washington. So I was watching the game. Coco was doing a play-by-play. Bob Carpenter's missed an awful lot of games doing play-by-play -play this year, and Coco and Franson were doing it. Um, neither pitcher started out all that great. I'm not sure Abbott is a major league pitcher. It's the same way I'm not sure. I, I am confident that Victor Robles is not a major league hitter. He's a major league fielder. He's not a major league hitter. I'm leery about C.J. Abrams. I think he's a major league fielder at short. I don't know if he's a major league hitter, but Barry's Verluga, who loves him, Barry says he will hit. Don't worry about it. I'm watching this game. It's a pretty good game, right, Michael? It's a taut game. I mean, it's scoring back and forth. Ultimately, 
Hunter Harvey, who used to be on the Orioles, came in to pitch to his old team and, you know, was overamped and gave up five hits in one and two-thirds and lost the game. Yeah, so, game. so much of this series and, and this game in particular is about what's been going on with the Masson rights for a number of years now, what's been going on with, you know, the Orioles' rebuild, which is where the Nats find themselves right now. I was thinking about this when you look at the highlights of Buck going crazy when uh, he thinks there's interferences. Uh, the Mets lose to the Cubs, and you think back to the last time the Orioles were in the playoffs Buck's and, and what he decided not to do. No, I didn't pitch his uh, great pitcher. So you go back to this team, and I don't know, seeing the O's, seeing the way, seeing the youth on their team, it just felt like I was a kid again. Uh, and I don't, have, Did you watch uh, Gunnar Henderson get that hit where he hits it beautifully to, to left field down the line? Yeah. It, so they're, they're a fun team to watch. But uh, Manassas looks, had two more hits. Yeah, well... Yes. It's all, all he, does he does is get on base, right? All he does is hit. Yeah. He had a bad fielding play in right field. Um, he did not get a good jump on a ball. The Orioles were able to score a run early in the game as the ball fell in front of him. But this was an attractive game to watch, even though the O's won it. And they play again tonight, I assume. Yes. And then it's off, uh, they host the Marlins after that. Yeah. By the way, it's, they stink. Just like the Nats. <laughs> They'll beat the Nats, but they stink. Uh, chilly this morning. Oh, yeah. Walking the dog. Chilly this morning. Shacket weather. Yeah, I went, I went straight to the vest. <laughs> Put on the shacket. First time with the Johnny O shacket in Yeah, it's just four like you're coming months. back from an early morning surf session, Dad. Yeah, you know, I looked... Uh... It's a good morning for solo stove, right? It is. It was a good morning. Um, the, you have it, to keep that fire stoked all night long. It's a you lovely... You conversation. <laughs> yes. You know, when the temperature is like 55 to 60 in the morning and 82 to 85 in the afternoon, that's great. Yes, That's perfect. all you could ever ask for. That's wonderful. We will take a break. Will Chuck Todd first or Neil Greenberg first? Chuck Todd first. Okay. Neil Greenberg later in the show is going to explain gambling to people like me who don't really understand gambling. And Chuck Todd's going to give example of gambling. <laughs> right? Chuck was four and three last week. We return with Chuck Todd. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is more banjo music by Chris Roselle. We played him the other day. Liked it a lot. This is called Banjo Fada, F-A-D-A, or Banjo Fada. F-A-D-A. Yeah. Hello, Fada. Hello, Mudda. <laughs> Could be that. Chris Roselle, who writes, Thanks so much for including my music on the show the other day. Pass along to Tony that Steve Martin is still making banjo music and at a very high level. In fact, about 15 years ago, he rededicated himself to music and even toured his music around the country with a band. He's recorded a few albums since. That's from Chris Roselle. Plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, in what I think is usually the hardest week, week one, was four and three. Jeff Ma was three and two. The monkey was two and one, so don't get crazy if you're four and three and the monkey's two and one. Um, it was, Chuck, was it not, did you not feel as I felt that it was a fabulous NFL weekend? Oh my God, it was amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, the schedulers. I mean, it was tremendous. Every, you know, when, when the one o'clock games were all that good, and I mean, I, I couldn't, 
I, I don't know how. I don't know which red zone. You know, there's two competing red zones. I I do the over the air red zone, not the cable red zone, no, right. not I the have, private red zone. Yeah, I have Andrew Siciliano. Okay, I've got who, the other guy. The other guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were in four boxes. Handsome. I couldn't. I literally was standing up in to get closer to my TV <laughs> in order to like. <laughs> Wait a minute! I was trying to follow each of the four games, and like two, of the plays would be running simultaneously. I mean, it was, um, it was an intense. Uh, that look the the final hour, right? Three o'clock to four o'clock Eastern time on Sundays might be the greatest hour of television ever invented. And I've got uh, I've got to tell people these were bad teams playing great right. games. Like the I worst mean, game of the week was the Sunday night game. Tampa Bay and Dallas was the worst game of the week. Right. When you're all excited about Colts Texans, you know you've missed the NFL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and or not, you know you yeah. have a gambling. Issue. <laughs> yeah. It's you know. So it really it really was great. I hope it is as good this week. You never know. You never know. Let's start with the Thursday night game and you could not I'm sorry. Um you could not put together a game any better than this all year in the NFL. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. You just can't. In fact, every single well, it, intramural. How much, pay? Hmm? How, many, how much did he pay for this Amazon deal? Don't you think you should get a, yeah. the opening game? Should be a pretty good one. It's really good. <laughs> the intramural games inside the AFC West are going to be great all year. Because it's the best conference by a mile. The Chargers looked really good beating a good team, a playoff team last year, the Raiders. Justin Herbert looked really good. And if you think Justin Herbert looked really good, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes showed again why most people say if I can pick one quarterback and go on with him, they would pick Patrick Mahomes. He had five touchdown passes. The Chargers coming out of a great win at home, go to Kansas City. They are plus four. Four is a pretty big – I know Kansas City's really good. Four is a pretty big number for what appears to be a good team. I think this is a tough one. Who do you like? By the way, I love that you accidentally called him McCombs there for a second. Yeah, it would yeah. Be, that would be great. You yeah, know, if he were the a McCombs, there is a oh, Patty McCombs. Um, <laughs> I am. Uh, I, I. I'm not getting in front of the Mahomes train until he loses. Okay, right? he, he looks so good. That's one of those you just. You know, I'm a big fan of betting on Kansas City at home. Anyway, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be the Chargers and take the points. Four is a lot. I'm uncomfortable at four, but you know, at this point. It, 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 you know, I think that if you're already at four, I bet you this number gets closer to six than it does three uh, when all said and done. But I, I am a, uh, sorry, my, my dog Ruby. It's uh, okay. N- not happy. Cause, it's okay. Uh, and, you know. Because Rudy likes the Chargers plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's a little upset about the Chargers. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big favorite right. fan. Anyway, give me the Chiefs. All right. Miami is plus three and a half at Baltimore. Baltimore, Baltimore looked particularly good in the second half. The internal drama in Baltimore is going to be there all year long on Lamar Jackson betting on himself. Did he do the right thing? And I should caution people to understand he's getting $23 million this year. When he's franchised next year, he'll get a minimum of $40 million. So that's $63 million over two years. Let's not bleed for him at the moment. Miami looked very good at home, just dominating New England. Miami is getting three and a half. We don't know if they travel. And we know Baltimore is a pretty good team. Three and a half, does that tempt you? It does. Uh, I just don't yet believe in Miami. And I'm with you. We don't know if they travel yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's – and I just I, – I, the Ravens 
you know, the, the Ravens are, are, the, are my sort of sleeper AFC team to get to the Super Bowl. It's sort of, it, it's just like them, right? You know, you're, you, we're always talking, during the Patriots run, it was always, then out of nowhere, here come the Ravens, right? And this feels like they have, there's a lot of reasons why they could be that this year. A, they'll be healthier because they can't be as unhealthy as they were last year with all the injuries That's right. They had. All the running backs uh, were out. That's right. So many. And, and the whole Lamar Jackson. Yeah. The whole, you know, you could just feel, uh, if you told me the AFC title game were Ravens-Chiefs, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, I, I, I like the Ravens. I'm not yet. I want to see Tua win on the road before I'm ready to, yeah. to lay money with him. I feel the same way. I don't know if Nigel gave me the spread right on this next game. I don't know because looking at it now, I don't really understand it. New England minus one and a half. Oh, my God. I'm Pitts- with you, buddy. New England minus one and a half at Pittsburgh. New England showed absolutely nothing. Look, Pittsburgh should have lost that game to Cincinnati. They should have lost. They blocked a PAT at the end, and and that put them into overtime. I'm not making any case for Pittsburgh. But New England minus one and a half? Do you like that? I I don't get it. Not only do I not like it, I I don't understand that if if you – I do think there would be certain rules in in betting. If your team – as a former Detroit Lions coach calling your plays, you should not be favored in a game. <laughs> All right? And not only that, it's Matt Patricia. Patricia, who I thought was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't – I've – Look, I know we're all supposed to be blindly believe that Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, yeah. renamed the Lombardi Trophy, the Belichick Trophy. Are we sure? I, this I, one – I don't know, you know setting this line. I, I don't get this. I assume – you know, I, oh. I just – Anyway, um, I'm not going to be on this. I, Steelers getting points at home feels like an, something you'd never pass up. With I, I agree. I don't understand the next line either. Tampa Bay goes on the road at New Orleans. New Orleans is not a good team. They're just not a good team. Tampa Bay won a very dull game, but Tampa Bay is a good team. Tampa Bay minus three at New Orleans. I understand it's divisional. I think I would take Tampa Bay in this one, but what are you going to do, Chuck? Well, it's uh... – let me ask you this. If, if Tampa Bay were at home, they'd be favored by more than a touchdown, if you believe this line. Yeah. So does that, that make sense to you? More than a touchdown? I wouldn't yeah. take that. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I, look, I, I understand why it's three. I'm, you know, the Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's what, oh for the regular season against the Saints as a Buccaneer? Is that right? But he beats him in the playoffs. Yeah, right. Okay. But I believe he's never beaten them in the regular season. Okay, I didn't know that. This is his Dolphins, the sort of okay. what the Dolphins were to him. Uh, but I, you know, the Saints sort of that 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 came out of nowhere. They just let Jameis finally they unleashed Jameis in that fourth quarter. He was good. I, I, I I'm I don't love this, and I certainly won't put any real money on it because I, I just don't this game this game I'm afraid of it. But I I, I guess I would go with Tampa. I would, too, I think. The next one is sort of unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable to me. Tennessee at Buffalo. Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC playoffs last year. Now, they got beat. They got beat early by Cincinnati, but they were the number one seed. Tennessee lost that game and then lost to the Giants. Lost to the the Giants are a bad football team. They've been a bad football team for years since Eli Manning is gone. They're a bad football team. Tennessee lost to them at home last week. At home. Tennessee is now on the road at Buffalo. Buffalo looked great 10 days ago. And Buffalo looked great. But Tennessee's getting 10. 
10, and it's not going to snow in Buffalo this week. <laughs> Probably the, Tennessee's not. getting 10. What are you doing with this one? Do you know, uh, Nigel and I were talking about this yesterday when we were mess- picking which games to include. Right. Do you know that there are five games this week with point spreads of 10 or more? No, I had no idea. Five. Wow. Okay. This is the only one. There are five. Four of the five teams that are favored by 10 points lost in week one. And they're favored by 10? And they're favored by 10 points, yes. The Rams are 10-point favorites. The Packers are 10-point favorites. Um, uh, who am I leaving out here? San Francisco, I believe, is a, is a, is a double-digit favorite. That, that's actually uh, down to nine now. But still, uh, I mean, no, it's still insane. I mean, it's insane. astonishing. Like, yeah. like four of the five lo- of, yeah. the t- of the double digits were losers. And the only one that was a winner is this one, Buffalo and, and Tennessee. Uh, you know, I... I uh, Ten. I, I, I'm, I, I really want to take Tennessee here. I think it's too many points. Ten. And I just think it's just too many. I think that this is a, a, a game that with Derrick Henry and Vrabel, I, you know, I, as badly as, as bad as Tennessee looked, I just don't believe they're going to look bad two weeks in a Let row. Let me so just this suggest a, this to you. All right. I'm, this game a, for Tennessee is like Notre Dame against Cal this week. One team yeah. has to do well. Yeah. yeah. So you're with me on this, right? Yes. You, you, you would be with Tennessee. It's Ten? A, it's a, the whole thing is over. Right? It, if like they don't, right. It, it, their season's yeah. over. This, in, this is not an overreaction. Their season's over if they lose this game and lose badly. Well, aren't you, now isn't this why, you, now you know why the Patriots are favored over the Steelers? That's the same thinking that goes into that. But right? I don't think the Patriots, the Patriots are as too. good as Tennessee. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't. I agree. Okay. Minnesota. Is plus two at Philadelphia. Minnesota was very impressive in beating Green Bay. Philadelphia scored a lot of points and was impressive. I, I laughed a few weeks ago when people suggested Philadelphia could come out of the NFC. I said, are you kidding me? I'm not laughing as hard anymore. This is a good game. I don't know where I stand on this one. Minnesota plus two at Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I just think Minnesota's the better team, and if the better team is getting points, I'm going to be with the better team getting points. And I just like Minnesota slightly better than than the Eagles yet. I mean, you give up 35 points against Jared Goff, and yeah. you, you know you're yeah. not going to you're not Super Bowl front runners in my in that's my right. Book. Okay, so I, I, that tells me that <laughs> excuse me, Mr. Cousins and Mr. Jefferson could have themselves quite the uh, quite the statistical day. Okay. Um, so yeah, give me the bikes. All right, and now last week I mentioned that the worst game on the board by far was Jacksonville at Washington. This is just as bad. <laughs> this is Washington at Detroit. This at is Detroit. just as bad. And that's why... Mean, is re- isn't it a rematch of that great uh, NFC Championship game? In, ni- in 1991. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long it's, time ago. That's the Detroit Lions. That's the, do you know that's their high watermark it's the li- in my lifetime? It's the only playoff... That year was the only playoff game they've ever won. That's all they've ever won. They stink, you know, and Washington stinks. And this is why when I watch the red zone, I'm not going to know anything about this game. Like, so I'm watching last Sunday and late, late at about 3.30 or something like that, a quarter to four, they show Wentz throw two terrible interceptions in the fourth quarter. And I assume quite rightly that Jacksonville is going to run away with this game. Then after that, Wentz throws two touchdown passes. Two touch after throwing two terrible picks. 
and you and are, they win. Washington right plus two at Detroit. Who you got? You are so right about red zone. They never cover no, the, the Washington on. game because there's never any action in it. You right. know, it's always like, oh, we're checking in. It's twelve to eleven. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you're like, you don't even want to know how they got the twelve. Uh, I, I, you know, I actually think Detroit looked. You know, they're kind of frisky. Um, and I don't know if Washington can keep up scoring. If if Detroit you know scores twenty four points, I don't know if if you know that that might be enough. I don't have a lot of confidence. I know they scored twenty eight this last week, but I just I don't have a ton of confidence in that offense. Um, oh, you cannot. You the last thing, so I'm gonna go, the last I'm word gonna you would ever say, yeah. the last word you would ever say about the <laughs> offense is you would have Ooh. confidence in it. No, 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 Commander. no, no, no. You just command. You just you just use the R word. Oh, I did. I apologize. It's no, sorry. Forty years of watching. Yeah. I Schneider or Sarver? Uh, Which commissioner is weaker? No. Sarver. You know, they, this is pro, all these commissioners. They can't punish their bosses. That's what you find out. Because Sarver got the same slap on the wrist that. Uh, sorry, I'm going to say it. That Snyder got. Why not? You're right. Identical punishment. You're right. A fine and a suspension, even though one is not a public suspension. And if a rounding error fine. If you want to get rid of someone, get yeah. rid of them. Yeah. That did not happen. All right. Thank you, Chuck. All right. Good luck, monkey. Yeah. And again, as Chuck well knows, if we wanted to just cut it off with Chuck, the host of Meet the Press, we could do that. But we do more for you. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple latte. Oh, yeah. And Nigel's going to the zoo, 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 zoo. No delay, no delay. By two, by two. Poo, poo, poo. Johnny Walker Blue. All right, what is Reginald up to? He was two and one. Percentage-wise, that was the best result because Jeff Mott, three and two, that's 600. Chuck Todd at 4 and 3 is 571. And Reginald at 2 and 1 is 667. Good said. The monkey's winning right now. He is winning now. Technically. Yes. <laughs> so I Mathematically, went, he ma- is winning. Mathematically, yeah. It's early. By it, percentage. Typically, typically, he does not do well in the early going in this. But he's pleased with that start. I went down to the National Zoo uh, last night. And um, it was a big to-do going on. A big meeting with Hollywood producers. Apparently, he's um, in talks to star in the movie about the life and times of J. Fred Muggs. Fantastic. So, J. Fred Muggs, the original monkey right. on the Today Show. It's a nice cast. Nicole Kidman, <laughs> Matt Damon, Brian Cox, also apparently going to star in yeah. this. So, Good. Yeah, so it should be fun. But they took they took a break, and the first match we gave him was uh, that one on Thursday night, San Diego, uh, getting four at Kansas City. He showed me an old photograph of him on the beach in San Diego playing volleyball. His partner was Kurt Bavacqua of the Padres yes. being coached by Dan Fouts. They were playing Randy Stoklos and Sinjin Smith. I don't know how that match turned out, but clearly he's got ties to San Diego. I think that that's going to be a very highly rated game if you if you yes. know. I don't know how to stream, of course. <laughs> so I don't know that I'll be able to see it. Right. But I think people are going to want to see that one. And that's even, a big one. even though the Chargers are now in Los Angeles, the, their roots, their origins are in San, San Diego. Diego. That's why we... We're we allowed to call them San Diego. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Just th- like when I slip with the Washington team. Yeah. It's... 40 years. Come on. Uh, now, the next ma- match we gave him was uh, New England inexplicably getting, uh, giving a point and a half at Pittsburgh. And he just showed me a photograph. This appears to be from last year of him at a Dunkin' Donuts with Casey Affleck in Revere, Massachusetts. So 
That tells me he's Revere. got. Tuck, did he have a coupon? <laughs> Not a coupon. I'm the mayor, he Duncan. Had a, he had a broken cell phone that he was trying to show me that he had a coupon on. So, uh, so yes, that's he, one of the best skits they've ever done. <laughs> really that was really was good. I know that Casey Affleck is has his it's problems. Problematic, yes. Yeah, but that's a very funny yeah, sketch. It is. Uh, now, the last one we gave him, of course, was uh, the DC getting to at Detroit, and this was now he a, bet on them last week and he won. He, he bet did. on Washington and he won. What do you think he's going to do this time? I think he'll probably do it again. Well, he showed me a picture of him uh, working at a Commander Salamander store Commander on Salamander. Wisconsin. That tells me he loves the Commanders or the Nanders, I think, as he likes to call them. So yes, those are his picks. I'm just going to go back on this for a second. The New England game. If you had watched, if you watched that game, you would say to yourself, wow, they don't look to have anything right now. No. So it's one week and and you have to caution yourself. It's just one week. You cannot make long term determinations on one week. But I I mean, I could see you want to call it a pick them game. Yeah. That the fact that New England is favored over Pittsburgh. Right, Michael? Is that not surprising? Changing of the times. Just so odd. All right, uh, we'll take a break. We're going to get back into gambling with Neil Greenberg. We're going to ask simple questions from a simple man. <laughs> simple to me. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser once more, banjo music by Chris Rozelle. I really like banjo music. I don't know why, but I do. This is called Hansy Baby. This is the second song we're playing from Chris today. Michael, if people like Chris Rozelle want to send in their original music, even if it is odd music, <laughs> like banjo music that I like, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com, and I'm super pumped we don't have to wait for October to get our Caps preview. I was going to say, we have Neil Greenberg with us, and Neil, we always call Neil to tell us when the Caps are going out of the playoffs, because he knows more about it than anybody I know, and I know nothing about it, but he also has a new career as a gambling expert, and we do a lot of gambling on this show. We have Chuck Todd, we have a monkey, we have Jeff Ma, and occasionally we have James Carville, and I am not, I'm not a gambler. I I don't understand the parlance of gambling. I have a good sense of whether I would take a particular amount of points on a particular team, but I don't understand any of the other exotic stuff or any of the in-game stuff. I have watched this thing on ESPN called The Daily Wager. They may as well be speaking in tongues. I have no idea what they're talking about because so much of the gambling, I think you'll agree with this, Neil, so much of it assumes a sophisticated audience because the last thing you want to do is talk to dopes because then the sharp people are just going to turn away from you. Am I correct on that assumption? Yeah, there's definitely a, um, a balance. Um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of pundits out there that don't understand the game either, to be honest with you, don't understand betting and, um, put wages out there that don't make a lot of sense. Um, so like you said, I think because, there's a disconnect in in the in the vocabulary 
it's it's easy to either confuse people or mislead people. And I and I think that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate better so that they make better decisions. Um, so that's that's really the the crux of what we're trying to do at the Washington Post. So Neil and Nigel presented a series of questions that I could ask. We'll get to the parlay question. Nigel spelled it wrong. He spelled it P-A-R-L-E-Y like parsley, but it's okay. That's how pirates do it. Yeah, you don't you know, know anything about it either. But let's start with this, because this is a question that I, I think is, I think the answer will yield something important. The question is, what are the key point spreads in NFL betting? And I think what that means is, what are the numbers that when you see these numbers, it's important to understand what's going on? Am I right? So what are the key numbers? Well, three and seven, because those are, are how most points are scored in football, right? Field goals are worth three points. Touchdowns, for the most part, are worth seven points. Um, so those are also the two most frequent margin of victories, three and seven. Really? Yes, three by a pretty wide margin, and then seven, and then almost everything else. So about, about 10% of all games end on the three. So knowing that, the point spread becomes important because if you can find a game, let's say everybody on the board has it, um, has Tampa Bay minus three, but you can find Tampa Bay minus two and a half, that's a huge advantage for you because, like I said, most games end on the three. If you have minus three and it ends on the three, that's a push. But if you have minus 2.5 and it ends on the three, then that's a win. Um, and it's actually a huge, it's a huge half point. It's the most important half point um, in football going from either... Two and a half to three and a half. One or, of those. Right, yeah. right. And um, yeah, like I said, conversely, if you can find a game that's lined at plus three and a half when everyone else has three for the underdog, you get a similar edge. Because again, the three is a win versus a push. Um, so it, it's very important in the same thing with six and a half to the seven and a half. So just by... Um, one of, one of the methods I have for betting is they have to look ahead lines. So, you know, you can see what the week three bets are going to look like right now as well. So I'll almost automatically put a little money on every minus two and a half and minus six and a half because um, I know that those are key numbers, and over time, those will be winning bets for me. That's interesting. Miami is favored by three and Miami is getting three and a half at Baltimore. If Miami, if you liked Baltimore, you would hope you could find it at two and a half, right? Right, but you're not going to because right. everyone's at three and a half. Right. So you either have to get really lucky with someone making a mistake or you have to, you're going to have to pay more money. So you can get, someone will offer you, you know, minus two and a half, but instead of having to wager $110 to win 100 you may have to wager $160 to win 100 um, You can do that? You can negotiate with a sports book? Well, they have alternate lines. So if, you, if you're looking on an app or something, you can find all different lines. I mean, I can find Ravens plus nine and a half, and, but I'm going to have to put up 880 bucks to win 100 Oh. Um, so right now, Ravens minus two and a half is uh, minus 147. So you'd have to put up $147 to win 100 as opposed to just $110 to win 100 at minus three and a half. So, yeah, I mean, you, they offer... <laughs> There's a, they offer a lot of stuff. I mean, okay. you, can, you can find almost any combination of spread total that you want. But again, the prices are going to be different. Neil, what are parlays? And why do so many sports books on, in their television advertising, why do they talk about them all the time? What are they? 
Well, because there's a huge moneymaker for them. So on your basic spread or total bet in the NFL, right, Chargers plus four and a half, you know, Tampa Bay, New Orleans over 44, the house is making about four to five percent. So four cents of every dollar goes to the house. On parlays, that's 31 cents per dollar. So it's a huge moneymaker. And that's why you see so many ads for parlays, parlay boosts, single, single game parlays. Um, and a parlay is just, um, a bunch of bets that you have to win all of them to, to win the money. Very similar to like a daily double in horse racing. You know, you, you bet the, the winners of two consecutive races. Um, the parlay is just you're putting a bunch of bets together. So maybe you're saying, you know, the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs and the Saints are going to cover against the Bucks. Um, and so then the odds go up because you have, uh, you know, the level of difficulties up. Do you have to, in a parlay, do you have to pay... Do you have to bet the line that's out there, or can you just bet win or lose? Yeah, you can bet the money line. You have to bet the money line. You can't just bet win or lose. So you'd have to say, okay, the Chargers, you know, as an underdog, they're almost 2-1. to one. Um, You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are, are a sizable favorite. Um, so the odds will change accordingly. Um, but here's the thing about parlays, and as you get into, like, single-game parlays where you can bet – you know, the Mets game. You could bet the Mets win, Alonzo hits a home run, and DeGrom strikes out, you know, over 10 batters. Um, the problem with those you run into is the, the odds change based on what the, the situation is. So, you know, to just to boil it down real easy, like if, a play, if, if, a Mets, if you pick a Mets player to hit a home run and you pick the over in those games, well, those, those – those are kind of hand-in-hand, right? The more home runs that are hit, the more runs that are scored. So that parlay is actually going to pay less than if you say a player is going to hit a home run and there's going to be less runs scored. Um, So there's there's just a lot of nuances there. I would say for any beginning better or even like a season better, avoid parlays altogether. I mean, they're, you know, the house is making 31% uh, profit margin. You know, they're obviously you know, advertising that quite a bit. They're not going to advertise something that they're losing money on. Um, I would just avoid parlays altogether. What are teasers? So a teaser is a bet in um, where you can move the money line and then the odds are adjusted accordingly. So the typical teaser is a six point. So you can say, you know, the Chargers plus four and a half, um, I'm going to tease that to ten and a half, and I'm going to also put – you know, the, the Saints plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. Um, now your odds will be reduced, but you can move the money line that way as well. Now, teasers can actually be a good bet, but you have to be really specific um, with how you use them. And I wouldn't use them for totals. I wouldn't use them in college, ba- uh, college football at all or any of the other sports. For teasers, for me, um, I strict strictly to NFL and they're very specific situations where I'm gaining or I'm getting advantage, taking advantage of the two key numbers again, which are three and seven. Teasers? Do you have? Can you do one bet on a teaser? Or no. Are they well, no. Complex. But, complex. <clears throat> but if you wanted to do that, you can go back to the alternate line. So if I wanted to to take, you know, like the Saints plus eight and a half, I couldn't do a teaser. But I could get that for a price of minus two eighty. Okay. So put up two hundred and eighty bucks to win. So, but a teaser like a parlay has to be done in more than one bet. Correct. Right. You have to have complex bets to do it. Okay. Correct. What is the difference between a sharp and a square sports book? 
Well, there there are sharp sports books out there that will take money from any better. So, like, you know, they'll take money from a guy like Jeff Ma, right? Like, knowing how sophisticated Ooh. he is. Nobody. The casinos ban <laughs> Jeff Ma. Well, but I know. But my point is that, like, they want – they'll take his action because they know that that's a form of price discovery. So they know if a guy like Jeff Ma is betting Denver minus 10 – well, they know that number is probably wrong and should be a little bit higher. Right. So there's some sharp books out there like Superbook, Westgate, uh, Circa, Pinnacle. Like those, they don't ban anybody. They will take any and all bets at, at any limit. Um, and then you have some of the regulated books in the United States like, um, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, et cetera, which will ban people very quickly. Um, so if you can find a sharp book price, and you could find a square book price that's better, well, then, by all means, you take the square book price. So if I, knew, if I saw that Pinnacle had the Houston Texans plus 9, and I was able to get plus 10 at, at one of the other books, I would grab that plus 10 very quickly. The thing I don't understand is, how are people allowed to ban you just because you win? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a great question. I mean, I'm banned. I'm, I'm limited at a bunch of sports books really? right now. It says a it's, you should be prideful in that, but it should be illegal. It should be, because here's what happens. Um, I will go to place a bet. Let's say I go to place a bet on Tampa Bay minus two and a half. So I want to bet. I'm just throwing numbers out there. I want to bet 500 bucks. So what the, what the sports book will do is they'll say, well, we're only going to let you bet $3. And then not only do they limit my bet, but now they move the price from minus two and a half to minus two. So it's almost like stealing my information. Like they're not letting me bet, but then they're also acting on the information that I'm giving illegal. them. This should be illegal. It, it actually should be, should be illegal. No, the, the, all the regulations that are set up are, are clearly in favor of the odds makers. They can hide behind their terms and conditions. They can ban at will. They don't ah. have to give you any explanation. I've asked for explanations, and all I've got was that's that a, you know, they're allowed about to do it, it and they don't have to give you an explanation. Yeah, that should be illegal. I'll get you out of here on this. Is there one thing, just one thing, a primary thing, a better can do to improve profitability for himself? Yeah, you've got to line shop. So you have to look at all the books that are available in your area, and you have to look for the best price. Um, you know, I can't tell you, like, how key that is. Like, I'm looking right now. You know, Minnesota Vikings, um, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Vikings. The, the, there's one sports book that has minus two and a half. There's one sports book that has minus one and a half. You know, that's a big difference. You can look at, if you're playing these anytime touchdown scores, you know, you can find some that are offering two to one on a person. You can find another book that's offering five to one. Um, so I would say if you line shop, you know, and absolutely get the best price, that's the single most important thing you can do to, to be profitable over the long term. Thank you, Neil, and we'll check in when Ovechkin is on the ice again. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Neil Greenberg, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will come back with jingles and email. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts 
You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Banjo Day, kids. But there'll be other instruments as well. And even more. All played by Ian Warrington. He's really good. And he's an emergency room physician. Yeah. He graduated from medical school. <laughs> huh? uh, Nigel Bethesda Bagels. Did you bring bagels today? We got the bagel sandwiches today. I didn't know that. Oh, it's very exciting. Yes. Okay. Bagel like sandwiches. Bagels. All you got to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you, and I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. Original song, I think, was Sam Cooke, and it's been covered even better by Art Garfunkel. There's two of the great voices ever, Sam Cooke and oh, Art I Garfunkel. Don't, I, I don't think I've ever heard that That's version. great. It's great. In fact, he's got new lyrics in it. Uh, don't know much about... Um, it ends with don't know nothing about nothing at all. Uh, don't, know no, don't know much about the rise and fall. Don't know nothing about nothing at all. It's really good. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Gambling Day, kids. Chuck Todd, Neil Greenberg. Thanks to today's sponsors, ZipRecruiter, SeatGeek. Great read by Michael on MeUndies. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Still looking at Nigel. <laughs> yeah. Awkward eye contact. Thank you. From Ray Shively, a professor of chemistry at Baldwin-Wallace University in Ohio. I think the time has come to start the TK Show Game Hall of Fame. I'll start the nominations. One, spatchcocked and grilled. Two, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. Three, a 45-pound lab mix, a 26-pound beagle, and a 70-pound shepherd coonhound mix. And four, I had carrots and avocado with hummus and a granola bar. Sand will never make it in. From Cindy McLeroy, 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 I'm not sure, Jackson, Georgia. I'm loving the new game of what's in my pockets. I've always thought my husband's pockets items have been excessive until I hear what other littles are carrying around. As a female little, I carry nothing in my pockets because women's wear insists on putting ridiculously small pockets in their garments, not allowing for phones or keys or really anything else. Looking forward to weekly football picks to return. Well, they're back. That's because women carry purses. Now, it may be that women carry purses because they have no pockets, but we know that they carry purses. Do you ever get the phantom ring in your pocket when you've had your cell phone on? You know, all, all day long, and you I, start to feel like you got a yes. you got the buzz or the yes. I never, vibration. I never carry the cell phone in my pocket. Well, it's a car phone for you. It's a car phone. It's in my car. <laughs> uh, from Steve the Sycophant, your and Michael's stories about returning to play at Columbia brought back my recent memories of returning to my local donut shop after it replaced the linoleum. I was really worried about the way I could play through to the cash register, but the new floor was a little more colorful and fade-resistant, plus not dragging a bit on my sneakers. My billfold came out of my pocket as easily as before, and when I stroked my credit card, there was barely a hook, and no donuts went out of bounds. I nearly cried. It's just a wonderful email. (laughs) From Jeff Barger in Hillsborough, North Carolina, Nick Kyrgios, I believe you had that. Yeah. He plays like a psychotic. Yeah. Uh, From DG. Watching Thursday afternoon on MLB... Uh, against the Cards. What's going on with the Nationals, the worst team in baseball? Dodgers, Mets, Cards, three of the best going down to the worst. Go, no. Shabbat Shalom, DG. A haiku from Shad, a fine line between a devoted fan base and is this thing a cult? That was about Lachizari night. <laughs> this is from Jamie, and this is a long last name, Opadisano, and I hope I pronounced that right, Opadisano in 
Hingham, Massachusetts. Hearing you say on Friday's show that you're over-under for the number of littles attending the Syracuse Metzler Cheeserie Night would have been six. I had to laugh. You underestimated not only the total number of littles who took advantage of the brilliant promotion, but even if you count only the number of Opa Decianos in the La Cheeserie section, seven the overbet would have paid off. I could not make the trip from my home near Boston, but there was, I was there in spirit with my family ranging in age from my niece's two-year-old twins up to my 89-year-old father. My sister Lori, the longest time little in the family, even wore her This Show Stinks hat. You would have laughed to hear my mother, a newcomer to the podcast, re- rehearse the pronunciation of La Cheeserie in preparation for the big night. And how's this for connective tissue? When I played high school football with Jason Smorrell 35 years ago, Bishop Grimes shout out, he was the funniest guy in school, so I was not at all surprised when after reading Jason's first email promoting La Cheeserie Night, you said that's as great as emails we've ever had. I'd not been in touch with Jason for decades. I immediately sent him a note after hearing his perfect email on your show. The ongoing La Cheeserie Night updates had been a delight, culminating in my family having a blast at the Syracuse Mets game, all because of Jason Smorrell, who must be the greatest minor league GM in the land. From Matt Rousse in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, which is where Bob Ryan went to high school. You discussed that the only monarchy that matters is the English royal family. I'm curious why you left out His Majesty John Wall, King of Game 6. That's a fair point. From Anthony Beeson. Tony Beeson in Cincinnati, who has a piano. Upon hearing the sad news of the departure from this mortal plane by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, reminded me of a letter from Buckingham Palace that I received some years ago. Back in the days when I Have a Piano was still a hit in the TK Top 40, I wrote a letter to the Queen and closed a copy of sheet music for the song. Yes, there is sheet music for this musical monstrosity, courtesy of the great Jerry Negrelli, who, um, who, who made it up. I have enclosed an attachment as a copy. Did the Queen actually ever see this mess? Did she sit down and attempt to play it? Even in my wild imagination, I found that incredibly far-fetched. At any rate, I was thrilled to get a reply from a lady-in-waiting who remarked that it was an amusing treasure. Uh, Requiscat in peace, Elizabeth II, formerly by grace of God, Queen of Great Britain and the Dominion Beyond the Sea. May I add my own epitaph to the many obituaries that shall be written in the coming days. Mine is rather unique and attested to by the attached photo, She Had a Piano. And he encloses the thing from a lady-in-waiting and a picture of Queen Elizabeth that is sent as well. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. From Dan Moore in Winnipeg in Manitoba in Canada. Do you think the American representative to the upcoming coronation will include the discussion, King Charles, I am honored and grateful that you have invited me to your coronation on the day of your coronation. I hope your successor will be a masculine successor. I pledge my nation's friendship. That's very funny. Dan in Newton, Massachusetts. Front left, phone and empty poop bag. Front right, dog treats. Back left, keys. That's it. From Doc Bradley. I've had to think hard about addresses I've had. I've had 24 addresses across 11 states in 52 years. I never owned my own piece of property and most likely never will, and now I'm kind of depressed. <laughs> and from John Fitzpatrick, our friend John Fitzpatrick, Love now John. in Arveda or Arvada, Colorado, if the new game is, did we do this already? Did I already read this email? Then the answer is no, but read it again on another show and the answer changes. Our friend Jonathan Tannenwald. I normally leave the emailing to my parents, but since I was in Washington a few days ago to cover a game and just listen to the Friday show, I couldn't resist this time. Does anyone know why the chatter signs are still up? Supposedly, there were plans back in January for a new restaurant to go in there, but it hasn't happened. Best to you and Michael and all the crew. I've run into Barry's Verluga and Chuck Culpepper in various places this summer while I'm not eligible for David Aldridge moments. It was great to see both of them. Send word if you're ever in Philadelphia. There was going to be live music there. At Chatter. The atriums look beautiful. Yeah, they do. At, they really from do. John Juback in Pittsburgh. So electric e-bikes can operate in sand. Maybe someday they'll make it to the Toy Hall of Fame. One more <laughs> Dina in Damascus. 
Chuck and Roxy do not have a podcast explaining your show. They host a podcast about the Littles, for the Littles, where we come from, our sports fandom, whether we ever chuck Todd the toilet paper. It's as tangential to your show as well. Your show is the sports. Take a listen. You'll love the connective tissue. Loyal Littles Pod, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, or ask Michael how to listen. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Bing. Bing. Ned Ryerson. 